Hello and welcome to another episode of Coaching Chaos. Today is Palm Sunday. And admittedly, I have not ever really paid attention to the festivities that surround Easter. I wasn't raised to do so. I mean, at Easter time, we got excited about the Easter bunny and my mom bought us brand new dresses and black patent leather shoes and many years I matched my sisters and it was so exciting to get new spring dresses and then as my children came along this is when I purchased their sandals for the summer and it was a wonderful time to be taking off of our our sweaters and our boots and getting rid of the snow and just the hope of of springtime and warmer days. So as I've grown older and as I've looked more and more into my spirituality, especially in doing this podcast and my purpose behind it, I am paying particularly close attention to how I honor my Savior in all that I do. And I'm reading my scriptures every day, and people ask us, what do we do as members of the church to observe Palm Sunday? And honestly, I can't say that there's anything that we particularly do in the name of the church. It's each to our own discretion, but for us, we really celebrate our Savior every single day in how we live our life. So I'm reading Spirituality by Dallin H. Oaks from October 1985. And he says that we interpret our experiences of to our degree of spirituality by how we react to the events of our day, of what we have going on in our lives and in the world around us. Some interpret mortality solely in terms of worldly accomplishments and possessions. And in contrast, we also have a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And should we have this testimony, then we understand our purpose of life. That the mission of our Savior is what we look to. And so we pull away from the worldly things of life and look more to our Savior. And John Taylor, when he was a missionary and when, before he was the prophet of the church, someone asked him, some people have said to me, are you not afraid to cross the seas and deserts where there are wolves and bears and other ferocious animals? Are you not afraid that you will drop by the way and leave your body on the desert or beneath the ocean's wave? And he said, no, who cares about anything of it? These things don't trouble me, but I have felt to rejoice all the day long that God has revealed the principle of eternal life, that I am put in possession of that truth, and I am counted worthy to engage in the work of the Lord. And it reminded me when my son was on his mission and I had written to him, 
about some especially concerning things that were going on at home. And I genuinely thought that I would get this remarkable letter back from my very spiritual giant missionary of counsel and guidance as to what I could do with some of the things that we have going on at home with his sisters and um, just the comings and goings of our day because I loved his letters and and they brought such hope and peace and, and guidance and direction from him at that time that he was serving and and instead he wrote back five words we have prophets and temples that changed everything in how I looked at it at what I was going through in the moment and many people know that I don't very often attend my my husband's games that he coaches because I get increased anxiety, which I'm not even an anxiety-filled person, but my hands are are sweaty and my heart is just racing. And I feel like whenever they make a mistake that all eyes are on me, like coach's wife, what is she doing? I don't even cheer. I just sit there and poker-faced and look ahead and think, I'm just doing my job just to be here. But it's very difficult for me to get there. And I have never felt extreme anxiety like I I do when he's coaching, except for when I have to fly. But I avoid that as much as possible. And that fortunately doesn't happen very often. But even when I fly, I have to take a Xanax or an Ambien. And I've considered doing that, watching my husband coach, just so I can get through it. But when I am there, I'm thinking, this is so silly. Why can't I sit here and relax and enjoy this game? I I don't know. I don't have an answer. But I have often reminded myself that this is small. Compared to what we have in this world, we have prophets and temples. And the very fact that I know that my Savior stretches forth his hands unto me all the day long, as it says in Jacob 6 verse 4, So I wanted to talk just a little bit about spirituality, and I have been focusing on that in the last couple of podcasts and practicing my religion, and and in Take a Nibble was one of the titles of my recent podcast about just starting simple where you are, and sometimes the list is long of all the things that we feel that are required for us to meet a certain level of righteousness or spirituality. And that's not true to start where we are. And even in Jacob 6, verse 6, it says, Yea, today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. It says, Yea, today. Jacob 6, verse 6, starting today. And there is a huge campaign put out by the church right now regarding this exact thing coming Easter, in fact, it's to start today, March 28th, the Easter week. Start today. Start looking up the definition, and I love doing that, even for simple words. Begin or be reckoned from a particular point in time or space. So what is keeping us from starting today? Instead of saying, I'm going to start tomorrow, how about saying, start right now and on the church's website in regards to this campaign it says 
in starting today, we can restart, reboot, relook at our lives. And they've put out a video called hashtag starting today. And these are the actual words from that video. We can reevaluate, reassess, reexamine everything in life starting today because of how one day started 2,000 years ago. He left the tomb behind. We can leave our past behind if we hear him, love him, follow him. And so as I searched around on the website, there are different ideas of what can be done to start today. And like I said, just choose the one thing. I will talk to God more often. And even if you click on the little purple button, learn how to pray. And it has a little wizard that you can follow through on little tiny specifics on what to do in your first prayer. And it might be your first prayer in a very long time. Starting today, I will live my life more joyfully. I have spoken about that in recent podcasts. What can we do to be more mindful? And I have learned that in order for me to live with greater cheerfulness and joyfulness as simple as it sounds to follow the prophet president nelson when he initiated to give thanks and to count our blessings it is a simple prescription to change our heart how about this one starting today i will let go of hurt and begin to forgive or to starting today i will step out of my comfort zone I will go to church starting today. In Jacob 6, it's it's wonderful all the way through Jacob 6 in verse 8. Behold, will ye reject these words? Will ye reject the words of the prophets? Will ye reject all the words which have been spoken concerning Christ? After so many have spoken concerning him. And deny the good word of Christ and the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost and quench the Holy Spirit and make a mock of the great plan of redemption which hath been laid for you. All our Father in Heaven asks is that we take one step forward and start today. And what a wonderful day to to do that, even Palm Sunday. I've been researching a little bit on what Palm Sunday means and and it's actually the time when the Savior entered into Jerusalem and palm leaves were waved at his entrance. The closing verse in Jacob 6, verse 12 is, Oh, be wise, what can I say more? We can look to Martha and Mary and how Martha was, she was going about doing her thing, cleaning up and serving and cooking and she was frustrated and I know that feeling after I have cooked a big meal for my family and I have laid it all out and then they all get up and they go into the family room and chat and play with babies and then I'm left to clean up and I I feel like Martha but I want to be married I want to sit at my Savior's feet and enjoy the family time with my sisters so how can I turn that how can I turn that moment when I'm cleaning up in the kitchen while everybody's enjoying one another what did I do wrong as a mother that I didn't train them to automatically come in and help me is my complaint so instead let them 
enjoy one another, and let me continue serving my children. And the Savior even says, But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken from her. After after Martha complained to him, Why isn't she in here helping me? I'm troubled about this. He said, Leave her be. Let her seek out her Savior. And so, instead of being prideful and complaining, I can seek out my Savior and continue to serve my family as I go about doing good, cooking and cleaning up, and letting my family enjoy one another. It is so easy for many of us to be like Esau and Jacob and the different attitudes they had towards even spirituality, which was in their line of of their birthright in in the Bible. The firstborn, Esau, he despised his birthright, but Jacob, the second twin, desired it. And Jacob valued the spiritual, while Esau sought the things of the world. When he was hungry, Esau sold his birthright for a mess of pottage. What are we doing to sell our spirituality for such simple things of the world? One thought that enters my mind right now is we choose clothing. We choose clothing instead of wearing our sacred and holy garment. If we can't wear our garments because we'd rather wear specific clothing, are we selling our spiritual birthright for a mess of pottage? Many Esau's have given up something of eternal value in order to satisfy a momentary hunger for the things of the world. And that is from the conference talk by Dallin A. Jokes and Spirituality. Even Roman soldiers who were casting lots at the Savior's feet as he hung on the cross. The most important event in all of eternity was taking place at the cross, above their heads, and they oblivious to the fact occupied themselves casting lots to divide the earthly property of the dying Son of God. In Matthew 27, 35, And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. So are we casting lots? over minimal things of this world? Or are we looking up to our Savior who died for us and recognizing the marks in his hands and looking toward Easter and rejoicing that because of him, we too get to live again and go home to our Father in heaven. See, a spiritual person has no priorities ahead of God. Yet, Even James said in James 4.4, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That bites So where am I in my spirituality? Starting today, what can I improve to make a better step forward towards my Savior? 
we've had so many setbacks in this last year and we have to look at them as temporal but we can also look at them as spiritual by rejoicing and recognizing all the things that our father in heaven has still laid out for us the little miracles that we have seen as communities and families have rallied together I spoke with a friend last weekend who said that she had to quit her job because she was having an allergic reaction to all of the chemicals that she was spraying on the children's desks each day. But because she was at home, she began looking for another job and a friend mentioned to her that another job was opened up at the local college. She applied for that and got it. And it has been so enjoyable, fun, rewarding, She loves and misses the children at the school, but this is a whole new chapter and she has loved it. So even though there have been temporal setbacks for some reason, she's now placed in a new position in her life that with her bubbly and happy personality, I know she's completely turned that office into a place of happiness and joyfulness for many of the students who come in to seek counseling she's able to guide and direct them to the right person and maybe make a difference in someone's day that's what Meg would do in that office I'm sure of it faith is developed in a setting where we cannot see what lies ahead so even though she had to quit her job and she was worried about this what she was going to do She had great faith in knowing that the right thing would happen for her. As Lehi promised his son Jacob that God shall consecrate thine afflictions for thy gain. And we know that even Joseph Smith and everything that he went through, the Lord even said that these are for your experiences, are to benefit the world. And we look to Joseph Smith for all that he endured, that if he can do it, I can do it. And I can believe. I can take upon this cross. Therefore, forsake the world and save your souls. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world, yet lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That's in Matthew 16, 28. So how do we achieve spirituality? How do we attain that degree of holiness where we can have the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost? How do we come to view and evaluate the things of this world and the perspective of eternity? And again, he prescribes a long list. We seek spirituality through faith and repentance and baptism, through forgiveness of one another, through fasting and prayer, through righteous desires and pure thoughts and service to our fellow men and worshiping and attending church and feasting upon the word of God in the scriptures and all the living prophets, we can attain this level of spirituality. And I know that for many of us, as we read that, we close the talk, we shut our scriptures We get up and we walk away and we feel burdened and overwhelmed. So what can we do to change our level of spirituality that we might be more willing to take that first step towards our Savior? And I think that's just the very, very simple of it. 
that we are simply willing. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but you're getting distracted again. It's time to get back in the game. That's just something that I felt that I needed to say. What is distracting you? What is distracting me? What is keeping me out of the game? The game of my spiritual life in looking to my Savior. What can I do to redirect and refocus on my Father in Heaven? So in reading and studying for this particular podcast, I was thinking about a sweet girl in my life that served a mission and she said that sometimes she would look out the window and she would not feel anything. She felt blank. She wondered why she was on a mission. And I realized once I began talking to her that a very strong feeling came over to me, over over me, that she was depressed. She was anxiety ridden. And when you are depressed, it's very difficult to tap into your spirituality. You feel everything is on your shoulders. You feel too overwhelmed to seek perfection. You feel like you are not perfect enough. And you're exhausted. And you're tired. In the in struggling with depression off and on with myself as I've after I've had my children and in different episodes in my life um, I would say my depression is more like a situational depression and I can get down but I pull out of it but there are some that struggle with it every single day it's paralyzing I know one woman who missed half of church she'd be on her way to church and she would turn around and go home she just couldn't do it being amongst large groups of people was just, it was too overwhelming. It carries a huge weight of guilt and even self-recrimination because if you turn around and leave and don't go to church, then you've got that heavy guilt on you, including the depression. So as we know of someone that is expressing grief or expressing their inability to cope, It's most important to not downplay it, as I I myself have often done. Like, oh, you'll pull out of this. You'll be fine. But that's because I understand depression as something that I have had the ability to pull out of. So it's hard to ask for help because you, when you're feeling depression, you feel ridiculous because you just feel alone. And sometimes just getting to the doctor is a struggle because you don't even know how to explain the situation strong enough for them to understand. And sometimes you feel like you can't even lift your arms to move to even drive the steering wheel to get to the doctor. Sometimes it's so paralyzing that you can't even you can't even make a, a, a an appointment. And then you go out into the world and you try to present yourself as normal. 
And then you wonder if anybody understands and if you'll ever be normal. So I just read something about someone explaining what depression is like. It's like going through life with two broken legs that no one can see that are broken. So think about all the things you can't do because your legs are broken. That's what depression is. Not only are your legs broken, but your heart is broken. And you can't even get up off of the couch because your legs are broken to go get the phone to call someone for help. You can't get in the car and go to the doctor for help. And your heart is so broken and so heavy weighted, like an elephant is sitting on it, that you can't even express how you are feeling because the words don't come out right. And then oftentimes, whoever you express your feelings to, and if they are not one that suffers from this, they can minimize it. And that is all the more heartbreaking. And, and depression, depression doesn't make sense. It's not logical. And you begin to act irrational and making decisions that you don't normally do if you aren't in a depressed state. So in this podcast, I want it to be especially important to understand that it is for us to just take a nibble, take that very first step starting today. What is the tiniest thing that we can do to increase our spirituality? Don't push yourself further than you can. And don't judge others if they are not where you are spiritually. Don't judge them one way or the other. Oh, they are not spiritual enough, so I can't get to know them. Or they are too spiritual, so I can't get to know them because I'm not good enough. But take care of yourself. Take everything in small doses. Patience and love. And and if you know someone that is depressed, let them know that you are praying for them. Let them know that you've put their name in the temple. It really, really helps to have someone know that their name is being prayed for in the temple. And of course, the right combination of medical assistance and therapy is very important. But oftentimes people who are depressed don't feel like any amount of therapy, oh, what is what is talking things out going to do for me? That's often the attitude. But we can find the right combination and just make it in small doses. So just like I... I mentioned in this wonderful um, scripture in Jacob 6, it says, Yea, today. Yea, today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And always, always remember that we do have prophets and temples in this day and age. And we have our Savior who is looking to us with his arms outstretched. 
Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Coaching Chaos. And may you start today in whatever it is that you feel that you need to do to approach the throne of God in the very best way that you can do it. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you next time in this episode of Coach in Chaos.